Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, opening weekend is in the books, and what a weekend it was for the SEC. Honestly, yeah, it was awesome. Is there, I mean, is there any possible way week two could be better than week one? Why do you continuously try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to do it, so quit asking. Uh, well, uh, all right, yeah, this is, I feel you. Nick Nick Saban's outburst after the uh, victory against Louisville was the stuff of legend. We are going to get to that later. Uh, We're going to talk about the SEC's dominant opening weekend. Your face after I said that was priceless. We can't see that. Reading it, (laughs) yeah, that was incredible. I was like, you didn't tell me what you were going to do. And then I didn't know it was going to be that. Top of the dome, just like Saban. That's how we do it. Top SEC, of the dome. SEC gets off to a 13-1 start. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the statement wins that we really saw uh, in these neutral site games. We're going to sort of look at some of the, the breakout quarterback performances that we saw, and then maybe a little peek ahead to, to week two. Before we do all that stuff, got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Ticket City. SDS is excited, again, to partner with Ticket City for all of their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they are still a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games couldn't be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help all you guys out who are looking for, for tickets this upcoming weekend. You're gonna use your promo code CMBF10. That's CM, M is in mother or Marler, BF10. 10 to get 10% off why'd you your only, tickets. Why'd you only use one letter? <laughs> I don't know. C-M-B-F. Because M's in Mother Marler. Because M Figure sounds out the like, rest on your own. It sounds like an M or an N, so you always have to be able to, to say which one it is. C-M-B-F-10 to get 10% off tickets right now. Whether it's for this Saturday or for any time this college football season, get your tickets now on Ticket City. Chris, my goodness, the SEC. Whew. I, way stronger of an opening weekend that, than I predicted, but you sort of saw this coming. I, I did. I, I mean, the only team to disappoint us was Tennessee, so thanks for nothing. Um, no, kidding. They, they, they had the toughest opponent besides Auburn in week one. I thought Washington was going to win. I didn't know 13-1 and one was going to happen, but man, yeah, we strong. We real strong. The SEC flexing of the muscles has never been stronger after week one, especially after what we saw last night, LSU and Miami, a game that a lot of people, including myself, thought that Miami would be able to kind of control the tempo defensively, at least on that side of the ball, and LSU just boat raced them. I mean, it, we're yeah, going to talk more from, about that from game. jump. But it was, it was extremely lopsided. So you're sitting there after what happened on Sunday night, and the SEC was 4-1 and one against Power 5 conferences. The lone loss, of course, was a, a matchup that we thought was pretty lopsided to begin with. A Tennessee team that didn't win a conference game last year against a preseason Heisman Trophy contender. You didn't necessarily think that that was going to go in Tennessee's favor unless you were Kirk Herbstreit. But... Yeah, what was that about? Yeah, that was that was weird. That almost felt like he was doing a little bit of lobbying for for Tennessee. That was, that, that was a weird pick. I know there were other yeah. Tennessee fans out there making that pick, but... I, I question the logic behind thinking that the Vols defense was going to be able to hold up for, for 60 minutes in that one. But that is the lone right. blemish against the SEC. And the SEC West is now the only division in college football that is still undefeated. That, that in itself is, is pretty amazing, I think. 
One of my favorite lines in the history of college football, and it doesn't come from the SEC, but it reminds me of this, and I said this last night to my fiancé. Yes, you are engaged. Uh, By the way, bury yeah. the lead, why don't we? Gosh. So, yeah, I got engaged this weekend, so planned it out perfectly, did it Friday night. And not Saturday, um, as we thought you were going to. That's right. So I did it, got that out of the way, got all the phone calls out of the way. So when I woke up Saturday morning, we had one thing on our mind. It was hot dogs and also... Um, Football. That's pretty much football. So it was a good weekend, though. No, but um, I was talking about last night. She's from like the west, the west coast, and you remember when USC had their run in like two thousand four, five? No, no, I don't because it was vacated. So (laughs) wiped from wiped from my memory. There was a game they were playing Arizona State. This is again one of my favorite quotes in the history of college football. And Lindell White, they were down twenty eight points in like the second or third quarter, and like like that, they came back and they're they're winning. And Lindell White just leans back on the bench and looks back at the TV camera and he says, we too dominant. And that's all I could think of last night about the, about the SEC is we too dominant. 13-1. and one. The SEC that, is back with a vengeance in 2018. You know some teams who aren't back? Texas, Michigan, Miami. They are so not back. It's not even funny. I, I, I can't I, believe the, the opening performances that we saw from those three teams. We'll get into Uncle Chris's picks later. Um, just... So humble brag, I made it past two minutes before I bragged about my picks. Yeah, you uh, did. That was the over-under I said. I'm very, yeah. I'm very proud of you. That was a lot had of a, self-restraint there. Had a strong weekend at 15-2 on my picks. No <laughs> big deal. Um, but, yeah, I was weird because I, at one point on Saturday, I was 12-0 and on the season with my picks. Super sick And brag. was almost 0-2 in my playoff predictions because I had Texas and Penn State in the playoffs. Yes. How, do you, how does that even happen? So, yeah, that was disappointing. But the SEC West... I mean, the SEC West, not only going 7-0, but beating two top 10 teams, that's, that's incredible. Not at home either. On, not on necessarily on the road for Auburn, but neutral site games. SEC West established itself as the best division in college football. I think many people would have argued that it was coming into this season. I think the only really close call was, was the Big Ten East. And the Big Ten East had a really rough opening weekend. It is just one week. But let's not just blow past this Texas thing because... Yeah, let's not do that. You said I you said last week that that Texas was your surprise team all year, and I and I I didn't get much right this weekend. But the one thing I will say that that, that I said this on this past week was that eh, it's going to be pretty awkward when Maryland is you know beating them in, in week one, and you're going to have to. Yeah, I thought that. that was like the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Let, let's think about this for a second, Connor. Going through these picks, all right, and and I'm going to pat myself on the back just to get to the point where to talk about how stupid of a person I am. We all knew that going into it. You guys know I'm not a genius brainy. I'm not a brain surgic cold person you know what i mean i don't know what you mean but i yeah yeah, me neither so but going into this weekend i was undefeated in my picks i was 12 and 0 after the old miss game i picked old miss to beat texas tech which they were not they were two and a half point underdog going into saturday picked lsu to win outright that happened i went so far as in one of our episodes i said that georgia would get a targeting call in the first game because of the second and 26 that happened and james cook got a got a targeting penalty pretty impressive Pretty impressive. And then I decided to pick a seven and six team to go to the damn playoffs, and they got beat by Maryland, who Maryland's only beat two teams twice in the past two seasons. That's Rutgers and Texas. How is that possible? How is that? Matt Canada was all sorts of unbelievable on Saturday. He outcoached Tom Herman in every way possible, and now Matt Canada is just sitting there up in College Park, just flexing, flexing on all the SEC haters. Yeah. If I was allowed to go back to the state of Texas. I would go help Tom Herman, but since there is an incident that shall remain nameless that happened in the Woodlands several years ago, I'm not allowed to go help you, Tom, so I can't do this for you. you got to figure it out on your own. And sorry to anybody that's in the Woodlands for 
what happened. <laughs> I want to dig into that another time. What I want to dig into now is the fact that with the SEC having the opening weekend that it did, we are probably going to be looking at uh, a week two Associated Press poll in which the SEC has seven teams in the top 25. I say that because South Carolina was the first team out and Florida was the second team out. So right. you had LSU sitting there at 25, Florida sitting there at 27, and then South Carolina in the middle of 26. Texas at 23. And Texas so at they're, 23. They're coming out. Yeah. And then, you know, with the game tonight, um, we could have, you know, between Virginia Tech and Florida State, one of those teams is going to have to lose, and one of those teams coming out. So that's my way of saying I think there could realistically be seven SEC teams in the top 25, and right. everybody is going to start to hate on this this notion that the SEC is this power this power conference. It's but, already started last night. Is LSU that good or is Miami that bad? How about a little bit of both, man? How about the fact that LSU came out ready to play, Ed Orgeron had his guys fired up, and they came out and dominated? Let's let's talk about that because really there was only one reason why LSU showed up ready to go, <laughs> and that was your pregame speech. That was a team that sounded like it heard you and then was ready to run through a wall. I mean, I don't want to say it's so many times. You come out here. You got opportunity in front of you. Order on Zawado. Opportunity, Zawado. I tell you what else, Zawado. Offense. Offense, Zawado. There was and apparently last night LSU found an offense. LSU found an offense. LSU has its quarterback. Okay. I, I'll, here's what I'll say about, about Joe Burrow. I'm a believer in Joe Burrow. I said coming into last week that I thought he was going to have a rough opening game. And in many ways, he did. If you look at his final stat line, it was 11 of 24. <laughs> he didn't have a touchdown pass. And I think if LSU yeah, fans it had... If LSU fans had been told going into the game, your quarterback is not going to account for a single touchdown and he's not going to complete 50% of his passes, they would have been like, oh my God, here we go again. It's, this here we is go disastrous. again. disastrous. But instead, the narrative is totally different, part, in part because of what the LSU defense did. And the LSU defense was dominant, was really dominant. But think about this it was all the little things that he did that ingratiated himself with that LSU fan base. It was from the start, getting involved in that fight in the pregame where Joe Burrow was apparently (laughs) jawing back and forth with Miami. Like, what kind of of quarterback is doing this? He was winning the locker room over one thing that he did at a time. And even the the check down where LSU was set up to run a pass play. That's the quarterback I want. That's that's the quarterback you want. You want the guy who's going to... I don't want him throwing a punch with his right hand, but I said this last year, and a lot of people got mad at me for it, but I don't care. Baker Mayfield trying to run from the cops. That's the kind of confidence I want out of my quarterback. Was it right? No, absolutely not. That's really dumb. Real dumb. But yeah, that's the kind of moxie I want in the pocket. To somebody be like, you know what? I can bet I can outrun these three PDs. Yeah, all right. Let's watch it. I failed, but hey, I, at least I went after it. Shoot your shot, Baker. Shoot your shot, Joe. <laughs> Joe Burrow's got that kind of that kind of chip on his shoulder. And I, I, I made the comparison last night when we saw the, the the post-game interview that I did with Holly Rowe, where he was talking about. You know, I came here a couple months ago, and when I got here, everybody's talking about how we're going to be six and six, five and seven. Right. And he's like, I looked around, I'm like, we have a really good team. And I thought that that moment itself showed a lot just about the mindset that he's coming into this with. He talked about, they, they said on the broadcast how this is a guy who's only taking one hour of college courses right now. He's his one hour of, of study is reserved every single night because he's a grad he's a grad student. So he's not oh. he's already fulfilled his academic obligation. And he said he's treating this like it's his job. This is the new phase of his career. And, and he I only think, went eleven of twenty four. I didn't know that. Wait, what? He only went eleven of twenty four. Yeah, he only went eleven of twenty four. Isn't that amazing though? Like you this don't. This is his job. <laughs> I but I I mean so that that's part of this is that the narrative last night of Joe Burrow was 
totally different because of all of the other factors contributing to this. And there were a lot of little things that he did. And like I was saying before, the check down to, to Nick Brissett, when Nick Brissett had that 50-yard touchdown yeah. run to start the game, that's stuff that you expect from somebody who's experienced in terms of being in a being in a locker room and just knowing a system like Joe Burrow does. So getting getting him off and running and getting some high percentage throws yeah. with him early on was key. I he thought, also had some drops. Had and, some drops. And, and the yep. touchdown thing, I mean, and I would say probably four, to be fair, probably four drops. That would have boosted the completion percentage and the yardage as well. And he got hosed on that on that touchdown. You could see that in live. That was, that was ridiculous. He, so he actually stayed in bounds, because I think that was Jamar Chase on that, right? Yeah. Um, he actually stayed in bounds, but he dropped the ball. Like oh, they I didn't, see that part. yeah. Everybody's <laughs> looking at the feet, and they I'm didn't realize. Feet, yeah, yeah. And so they, that was the that was the surprising thing about that play is actually if you just look at his hands, he probably yeah. should have been a drop. But whatever, that's beside the point. Joe Burrow gets off to a one and zero start, a big time statement win, and LSU fans are, are happy that this guy up. is 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 under center. I mean, if you're an LSU fan, all of a sudden you're like, man, six and six looks like a a distant memory. This team is is better than a six and six team. I think we can agree on that. There, I mean, which which states a lot about the emotional roller coaster that fans and LSU, uh, let's say pundits, pundits will will have of this because it's like, I thought full well they were going to beat them, and and I still said I've said all along you're like what's the ceiling I'm like I don't know eight nine wins I'm real high on LSU but that schedule was tough so I'm like eight nine wins seems seems like a realistic thing and you were like well that's not that great now everyone's like. Yeah, they could be undefeated going into the uh, the Bama game. It's like, what are you talking about? Let's pump the brakes. They got to go to Auburn in two weeks. Let's reset the frame here. I, I will say this. Here's an ignorant stat for you. They have the two best number fours in the country. I don't I don't know which is which sometimes, but a linebacker and running back, Brissett and and I'm gonna mess up his last name. Chason. Oh oh yeah, Kay Levon Chason. Yeah, who's Chason? Yeah, who's hurt right now we haven't gotten an update on that uh as of the recording of this but hopefully that knee injury is not serious don't know what the, the status of him is going to be but my goodness defensively Dave Aranda's got some some dudes we knew about Richard Lawrence that play he made in the very on the very first series where he basically did a stop and start Deet. where he single-handedly like snuffed out that that read option was was unreal to see from a defensive tackle that'll be at the top of his draft film at the, at the end of the season yeah. I mean that that's the type of stuff where like you realize LSU just has some dudes, and that that is yeah. going to be their week in, week out, no matter how tough that schedule is. They have some guys, you know, Jacob Phillips and and Devin White, and guys who are just Devin going White to make plays. Oh my god! And, and, and there was a, there, there was a comment made by Blackledge at one point, and he said the thing about LSU that people don't understand from like a defensive standpoint is, yeah, Dave Aranda is going to have a great team statistically. They're going to have a great unit statistically. They have an elite player at every single level of that, def- that yep. defense. Yep. They got Greedy Williams in the secondary, anybody in the D-line. You have two at linebacker, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a, a, a unit that has potential to be a, t- a top-ten group. I think we had been saying that throughout the offseason. And, you know, I, I still go back to the Wisconsin thing with Dave Aranda. I saw what Dave Aranda could do with two- and three-star recruits at Wisconsin yeah. and the way that he put them in position to apply pressure on a quarterback. This, this group kids. this year... <laughs> This group this year has potential to do some very special things, and we're going to get to see them on the big stage. So is your let's get back to the question that we asked earlier. The ceiling for this LSU team, is it still sitting there at, at eight and nine wins, or is this a team that we could realistically see competing for a division title and getting to, to that, next, that next level, that level that they've been trying to, to search for for the last, what's it been, uh, six years? I don't think you can even count yeah. 2015 because of how, you know, how poorly that season ended. God, yeah, they ranked second in the country at one point um, in November. 
Uh, I still set that bar or that that ceiling at nine. In regular season, I'm going to say ten tops yeah. because I thought they were going to beat Miami. I've been saying that all off season, and I didn't. I'll, um, I'll own up to that. Yeah, thank you, man. Because I had to own up that Texas <laughs> bullcrap earlier. So, um, no, but I thought they were going to beat Miami. That Auburn game on the road is tough. I know the road team has won the last six games. Or wait, no, the home team has won the last six games. Yes, the Hell, home team has won. Yeah. Okay, so then, um, then yeah, that is right, and then. You still have to play Georgia, Bama, Florida looks improved, Mississippi State. I mean, hell, Ole Miss isn't bad. <laughs> Ole Miss is, looks really good. I mean, I think they'll beat teams like that, but let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not pull a Marler and get overly excited and start jumping the gun on stuff. It is just one week. Miami made a lot of mistakes. Malik Rozier, as we learned that his name yeah. is pronounced, and not Rozier, as we've all been saying. Phonetically, not as cool. Yeah, not as cool. He should stick Why with Rozier. Why doing that when they come into school and just, like, get that out of the way? Because I, he's been there for three years. <laughs> like, I kind of get it because, okay, so uh, Alvin Kamara went through this. Um, even when he got to the NFL, people were like, is it Kamara? Is it Kamara? I don't know. Alvin. So every this is a sick brag coming up here, and I'm not trying to, to okay. tout myself, but just to explain. But you can say sick brag. That's fine. So every time I go on a radio show, people ask me, uh, or they'll just pronounce it their own way that they want. They'll say O'Gara or O'Gara. And oh yeah, I, what is it? God, shut up. So I always, I always just let them decide because don't get me wrong, I have a lot of pride in my last name, but I'm like, you know what? If Alvin Kamara can do it, and if he's as successful as he is, and if people just mispronounce, mispronounce his name, I don't really have that much of a problem with it. I'm not going to sit yeah. there and correct somebody like live on air, and if they mispronounce it. It's not going to be something that I worry about all too much because I know my own name and I don't really care. And so th- I guess that maybe that's some, there's some logic there. But speaking of names, how in the world does Miami, Miami have a kicker named Bubba Baxa and not LSU? Yeah, I put this on Twitter last night. Bubba Baxa, the stat they put up with him after he's attempting his first kick. First off, he needs to be punting because that punter was like their uniforms, wet garbage. Um, I see what you did. Just, you see, yeah, I was going to say hot good. garbage. But yeah, that was good. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so Bubba Baxter, they put up the, after his first field goal attempt, and it was like, apparently he was an Under Armour All American. He he made four of 10 field goals his senior year of high school. Which, I mean, like with those crowds, you're talking about them crowds down in Miami, like senior year, and that's, that's a raucous, I mean, that's actually a lot of money probably riding on those games. <laughs> but like, I, I would say, if you're a kicker and you're somehow an All-American, you went four of ten. How the hell is your name Bubba? You're forty percent from field goals, and you're not in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. How in the hell did Saban not get him? That's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. I, Bubba Baxa could have been the star of the show. Uh, he he absolutely was not. Maybe all those kicks were from sixty-five yards, and we just didn't get to hear. Yeah, that. he was four so. of four from sixty-five plus. Right. Um, yeah, based on what he did last night, I would doubt that. Another headliner game that made a lot of lasting impressions could have a big-time playoff. In, playoff impact Auburn Washington we were both wrong on this one we both thought that Washington was going to win we talked about the battle that Washington was going to be able to win with the front seven that it had going against that inexperienced Auburn offensive line and don't get me wrong Washington applied a lot of pressure the difference Jared Stidham yeah yeah Auburn looked really good yeah you sound um, so happy about I, was, it. I was like well because I, I, I this game this game played out I mean, it was such a good game. It, it was such it really a good was. game. And it was, it, the two teams were so evenly matched. But I have said all, all offseason, the front seven from Washington on, against that offensive line from Auburn was going to be the difference. 
and it was the total opposite. It was the total opposite. Now, granted, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer um, for Alabama. Washington made a bunch of errors that that cost them that game. I mean, the pick play that cost them offensive pass interference going into the end zone, the missed field goal, mm-hmm. the the fumble going in like like inside the ten yard line, all of that was bad. Um, but the bottom line, the difference maker, I wouldn't say sit them. It's the fact that every single play, Auburn's defensive line was in the backfield. And had that one play against Jake Browning that definitely should have been targeting or at least roughing the passer Ooh, or yeah, something. And Jake Browning was sitting there on the ground. Like, how in the world do you not call that? Right. I mean, poor, poor guy was going against that front seven and running for his God, life. That was some hard hitting, man. Oh, that was that was a physical game. That felt very much like a, a midseason SEC right. game. And here's what I give Stidham credit for. Because you're going to look at the stat line and you're going to think, all right, 276 passing yards or 273, whatever it was, and a, pa- and a, and a passing touchdown. Not that impressive. I mean, Auburn scored the touchdown late, ended up with 21 points. Here's the thing, though. Against that defense, having that inexperienced of an offensive line and to only take two sacks to not throw a single interception and complete 72% of his passes was really, really impressive. If this game was played last year, I have no doubt in my mind that he's getting sacked eight, nine times, he's throwing maybe a pick, he's fumbling, he's making that game-changing turnover that right. Auburn could ill afford in that game because the margin for error was so small. Sidham was the difference in that game. His experience knowing how to get rid of the ball, how to be, when to be able to roll out and not take that, that costly sack was Deep so third important. third-down conversion with his legs in like the second or third quarter that was, that was huge. I, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, if, and if anybody says game manager, after that performance, please get out of the business or yeah. don't listen to this podcast because that that is re- like he he was so impressive the entire game. And it's one of those things now where it's like it's not like well he won't beat you. He he the entire time he was like the one guy in the field. It's like I don't have to worry about that guy. Yep. that guy's gonna go out and do it do mm-hmm. what it takes to not only win the game not not just not turn the ball over but create big plays with his feet. Obviously, create big plays with his hands. I mean, he—they have a receiver out there since they have two guys that are still injured. Somebody named Sal Canella who looks just like, looks like Nick Cage from Con Air, and he's out here making freaking acrobatic catches in the end zone. Like, Sidham makes everyone around him better. He does, except, and that's except for me. <laughs> he makes your health worse long term. We can oh definitely say that. Yeah, it was all around. I mean, this was an Auburn team that looked like it was playing at home. It sounded like it was playing at home. I think when we, the first five minutes of the game, you watch that and you're like, oh my God, Auburn's going to win this game 48 to nothing. They, they looked like they were on a different level. Part Washington for coming back and showing the world that, okay, this isn't just SEC speed and we're going to be overpowered the entire game. It was a good back and forth physical game that Washington could have won. Washington, in my opinion, still mm-hmm. the best team in the Pac 12. But Saying the a path, lot too, yeah. But the path for the Pac 12. <laughs> The path for the Pac-12 to get to the playoffs uh, all of a sudden looks looks bad. And and I say that because this is a, a Washington team that, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. We thought they were heads and shoulders above any other team in the Pac-12. Could that prove to be not the case? Yeah, maybe USC, Stanford, somebody steps up. But yeah, here's no the thing. Good. Here's the thing, though. Yeah, none of those teams really look that great. No two-loss team has ever made the playoff. Not to say it can't happen, but usually if it is going to happen, it's going to be a team yeah. that has a big-time non-conference win. And... You're looking at a, a team that still has a nine-game conference schedule. No team has run the table in a nine-game conference schedule and made the playoff yet. So, ipso facto, Washington. I mean, all that's talking a bunch of junk to me because I don't. I mean, that ain't what my league does. Um, <laughs> all that Yankee crap you're talking about. Here's the thing, though, and this is the bright side for Auburn. I'll flip it back away from Washington because nobody in Pac-12 is going to beat them. 
USC didn't look great. They have a 17-year-old playing quarterback. It's like a Freaky Friday situation. Where he should like, be in middle school right here? now. He should be in middle school right now. Mom, I can't drive the minivan. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? Freaky Friday was on yesterday on HBO. I may or may not have watched it. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> hold on, i got to regroup now. I mean, wh- nobody in the Pac-12 is going to beat them. Oregon, I think, could be better be- as long as their quarterback stays healthy. I mean, they have a team that averaged 50 points a game with him in and only 15 without him. But the good news is for somebody like Auburn is, you know, as we learned last year, they could now lose the Iron Bowl because Iron Bowl doesn't really matter, and they can mm-hmm. still make the playoffs. So, yeah, there's, right, there's, Auburn fans? <laughs> there, there's a possibility now that Auburn gets into the top five in the AP poll. Uh, the the poll's going to come out on Tuesday. They should be. They, they should be. You never know early season how much we wait, things like that. But here's the thing. If you're, if you're Auburn, you're thrilled with the performance that you saw because that was a matchup that – Auburn, I think last year's team might have lost that, to be 100% honest with you. And this was a team that I have talked about very, very much in the offseason and the struggles away from Jordan-Hare under Gus Malzahn. This was a 500 team away from the friendly confines of Jordan-Hare, and now you get that big-time win away from your own building. Yeah, it was an Auburn crowd. 90-10. We we know that. (laughs) But it's still a win away from your own building that's going to look really good late in the season. This game was so impactful for the playoff picture. And Auburn's got to be feeling good. And once you get the running game really sorted out, figuring out what exactly Cam Martin is going to be in this offense and get some experience for that offensive line, this is a scary Auburn team that's going to be in the hunts in the division that suddenly looks even better than we thought it was going to. Sal Canella cannot be your best receiver. Just please don't make no, that Ryan, happen. Ryan Davis was Ryan yeah. Davis is. I'm just Come making on. sure. Because yeah. um, that catch. Th- by the way, how many how many catch? I said like the dumbest, but like most Marler type thing ever during this game. I was like, <laughs> I'm at my buddy's house, and we have this huge setup, like, outside, three TVs, and, and he comes out, he's like, he's, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's like, what? And I was like, this kid just made the catch of the year, dude. And he's like, Chris, it's the second time you've said that today. Yep. And it's also hour four into the, the week one of college football. But how many r- ridiculous catches were in that game? There were a ton. I mean, the one that Canelo made was just like, wait, what? what? Yeah. I mean, I know that they, they basically treat him like a, a slot receiver, tight yeah. end, hybrid type position. But well, he's he's like a he's one of those guys, too. He's not a graduate transfer, but he spent several years in prison after he was defending his wife at a dance hall and then accidentally murdered these guys that were trying to roughhouse them afterwards. Um, he's just a good guy. He's just on his way home to see his kid for his seventh birthday. And then, you know, lo and behold, he has a big game. So, God, Conner is such an underrated movie. <laughs> Let's talk about a different contender in the SEC West, the team that I saw on Saturday night. Yes, it's Alabama. It's Louisville. You're stunned that pro- probably that we, t- we took, what, 20, 25 minutes to, to talk about Alabama? That's, that's pretty late considering what we saw. I don't want to talk about it. You, don't, uh, you, you texted me uh, late on Saturday night, and you were basically a, a, Saban, you were a Saban puppet. You were disappointed. At don't call the, me a puppet at the discipline of Alabama after a game I, in which the Tide won 51-14 to 14 and looked first far off, away like the best team I'll in the I'll have country. you know that I, I even, even in the moment, censored myself to send that text to you because I, I sent the same thing to our, our boss, Duff, and I was like, he was like, man, Saban, LOL. And I was like, we are so blank, undisciplined that it's just, and you guys know exactly what I said. <laughs> I was just flipping it. Like, it, was, it was one of the most frustrating 37-point wins I've ever watched. Now, that being said, I have breaking news I just got on my phone. Uh-oh. You ready for this? Fire away. Saban has named Tua Tungavailoa the starter for Week 2's game. Actually said it out loud. Wow. 
Yeah. That is... I hope he comes out tomorrow and says Jalen's a starter and then yells at everyone on Wednesday at the, tele, the SEC teleconference. That would actually be pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I, okay, so when, that, when the Maria Taylor thing happened, everybody who was sitting there waiting on the same impressor was like, you know how when you're in trouble and your mom tells you to go to your room and I'm going to come talk to your father and then I'm going to come to you in five minutes and figure out yeah. how we're going to... That, that's what it felt like. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It was really, really uncomfortable. Saban basically... I texted you to warn you. I was like, just so you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Saban already, already went after Maria Taylor. Like, oh, gosh. The, the, any chance of getting a, a chipper Saban was, was all but gone. I think we kind of knew that given the, the penalty situation. But, yeah. So Saban shows up to the presser, and he goes through, like, a little opening statement. And he basically, said, at the end of it, was like, yeah, you can tell. Like, I'm, I'm pretty pissed off right now. So, well, you're so watch out. <laughs> it's like me with sweating. It's just like, oh, is he breathing? Yeah, he's probably sweating. Oh, is he breathing? Yeah, he's probably mad for some unknown reason. Saban was... Frustrated at the the undisciplined nature of the quarterback situation, well, of the of the team, and frustrated with the you know the still having to deal with the quarterback situation. But I will say this: if you actually kind of dig into what he said in the postgame yeah. presser on Saturday night, he did share some insight as to why Tua was amazing, and I think that was yeah. the general takeaway from this. Like after after the throw, you know, the the first touchdown pass to Jerry Judy was. Unbelievable! Watching that from our vantage point in the press box, there was a collective gasp after that happened. It was that in- incredible of a play. And so Saban had this quote after where he said, it was pretty amazing to be able to move in the pocket that way and still keep your eyes downfield and throw the ball. Right. Later on, went to say, he's capable of making those types of plays. He also said, some guys, when they start to scramble, their eyes go down. They can see downfield. They they can't see downfield anymore, so they're stuck throwing. And then he he kind of stopped himself, and it was almost like he was basically giving you this. Here's what Tua does well. Here's what Jalen does not do well. But he didn't come out and say anything of like that. Of course not. Yeah. But if you actually think about that quote, it kind of makes a lot of sense. And that's that's real, that play in essence was why this Alabama offense has the ability to be unbelievable the best statement has ever had and an offense capable of as we say every single week the 50 to 3 thing it it is i said this earlier in our teleconference and it got an uncomfortable laugh so i'll say it here um him talking about like tua and jalen is like an awkward custody battle or like divorce and it's like no i like both i like them both but yeah i want to live with that like i like i don't it's a lot more fun that way like he lets me stay up late on the weekends like it's a lot more fun uh i don't have to eat my vegetables every day like yeah Tua Tua presents like so such a more multifaceted offense and i've been saying i was i'll say this i was wrong i was i thought he would be good i thought that he would you know be really strong in that offense i also thought bama fans were overreacting because that's what we always do and the national media was overreacting about how much better the offense would look with, with him and Jalen. And granted, it's hard to get, like, a rhythm going with how, like, the, the time Jalen went in. But my God. It was, I mean, those two series were like a microcosm of, like, what I feel like every late second quarter and all of, like, third quarter would look like with Jalen at quarterback in the past. Where it's just like the offense kind of lulled itself to sleep. It's not, it's not, not that the, the, other, de- the other defense made uh, necessary changes, or, you know, coaching moves. What's the word I'm looking for here, Connor? I'm getting adjustments. Myself. Adjustments. Adjustments is the word there I'm looking for. Might have had too much coffee. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it's just the fact that something happens and they just get a little bit stagnant and they're not producing at the level they should be. And that's what happened when he went in for two series. And it was like, Jesus, 
just put Tua back in. I'm over this. Also trying to cover the over, and I'm not going to do that with Jalen. <laughs> the offense is way more efficient with Tua. It, it's yeah. not even close. I mean, the guy had 12 completions and threw for over 200 yards, a couple touchdown passes. Could have thrown for probably 400 yards easily had he played that entire game in Alabama. Could have thrown for 1,000, dude. <laughs> Hands down. And so the, the thing that was interesting, obviously what, what we've been talking about throughout this uh, is the connection that he has with the young receivers that Jalen did not have last year and was one of the big reasons that it was frustrating to watch him down the stretch because he had not developed a connection with anyone who wasn't Calvin Ridley. Right. Calvin Ridley is obviously not on Alabama's roster anymore. That first touchdown pass, there's no chance in hell that Jalen throws that ball. There's no well, first off, way. The language is a lot. I mean, you don't have to say you don't have to say that, but no, I'm kidding. You're right, but he and it's the second time he's done this. We talked about this on Saturday. And it's Jerry Judy, someone who he trusts very, very much, that he basically, that, that play was a jump ball. I mean, that, that's yeah. really what it was. He did not necessarily have any sort of uh, any sort of advantage. It was a one-on-one situation. He's like, I need to make a play. I'm going to throw this up for grabs and hope my guy makes a play. That's exactly what happened. Right. And I, I brought it up to, uh, after the game, talking to Devonta Smith about the connection that he and, he and Tua have. And, of course, Alabama players are programmed to say everything PC if you bring up one quarterback, they bring up two. That's the way right. that it works. So I, I, I talk about this connection that he has because, goodness, Jerry Judy didn't get a touchdown, didn't get a touchdown catch from Jalen Hurts until the Iron Bowl, right. right? And and he had he had two from he had two already from from Tua, and we saw the connection that he had last year. And Devonta Smith still wouldn't even talk talk about the connection that he and Tua had. Right. He's like, we have I have that kind of chemistry with both quarterbacks. Like really. No, really? you don't. No, you and, don't. And here's another thing. So when you have the three the three freshman receivers that came in last year, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, and Henry Ruggs. And people don't talk about Henry Ruggs enough, but Henry Ruggs is a guy that had six touchdown passes on his first six catches last year as a freshman, which is all in mop-up duty, fine. But none of them were from Jalen. They're all to it, yep. They were all to it. And, and it became like a running joke, and it was like, you know, like, when are you going to catch one for me? Ha-ha. And I remember like seeing that, like, what an awkward thing. Like, he was obviously joking, but, like, Henry Ruggs had to be like, uh, here's the thing, <laughs> you don't ever hit me in stride. Like even so, the touchdown pass, the biggest play last year from from Jalen for the whole season, in my opinion, was the play against Mississippi State. Yep. When he let him went four for four on that final drive, mm-hmm. and I was all fired up about that. But you even look at that last play, and he he hit the man in the hands, kind of, and he went in for a twenty-five yard touchdown with less than a minute to go. Awesome. Didn't hit him in stride. Didn't lead him with the... I I'd said this to my buddy on Saturday. I was like, he doesn't throw people open, and a lot of times he doesn't throw to people when they are open because he keys in on one person, and, and the rest of the field is just not there. And that goes back to that Saban quote about keeping your eyes downfield, and Tua does that so incredibly well for yeah. someone who doesn't have that much experience yet, but the, the windows that he fits these balls into are un. Believable, yeah. and, and see, I, I didn't really, you know, seeing him on TV is one thing. Seeing him in person has upped my respect of him so much more in the just the the precision that he plays the position right. with. After the game, you obviously weren't going to be able to talk to them. Those quarterbacks were not going to be available to the media. Based on Jalen was signing his transfer paper, so it's like <laughs> I'm kidding. So let's 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 talk about that because it's more inevitable than ever. And I I'm gonna bring up the point that I brought up this summer. Well, I think go. the most realistic scenario for the way this thing unfolds is Jalen, middle of the season, says I'm I'm gone. I, I'm yep. not I'm not here to to be anybody's garbage time quarterback. I'm gonna save a year of eligibility, and I'm not gonna trust Alabama to to protect a year of eligibility when I can transfer and go anywhere in the SEC. Yeah. Do you think that that's a, a relevant um, prediction to make at this point? I think it could happen. Yeah, I really do. I mean, and it, and it wouldn't. 
it would be frustrating and disappointing that he left, and you're going to hear the worst of the worst come out from Bama fans if that happens about he's a quitter. I quit midseason, so I can I can definitely understand why his frustrations would be. I'm not proud of it. Wait, you I think quit so- mid tennis match? Let's not forget that. Too. Also, that yeah, that's yeah. very I was, yeah, that's different though. I thought I'd grown <laughs> up, but I hadn't. Um, no, but the thing with the thing with Tua going into that too is is you know. I, I love Jalen. I love what he's done at the university. He's been an incredible, incredible starter. And I love the fact they're, that it seemed like they are trying to make it work. But at some point, yeah, you do have to do what's best for you. And I could see him leaving. And I I would hate it, but I would totally understand. And the thing is, and like, what's I was saying this about Auburn on Saturday. What makes Gus Malzahn so difficult to beat, in my opinion, is when you get a third and three, a third and two against Auburn, and you stop them short, and it's like, nice. They got to get the field now. They got to punt. And then you see them go right back up to the line. You're like, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they run eight people in motion and somehow just get like a three-yard gain and get the first down. It's so difficult to get over that. The stuff with Tua, there were several times this past uh, weekend against Louisville where it's like a third and 10, a third and 13, and you're like, with Jalen, that's an automatic run. That's, you know, hopefully Calvin's not being triple covered because (laughs) otherwise he's not going to get a first down. And you saw them be able to extend drives with plays like that. And, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the two, second 26, but even then, it's it gives you a whole different dynamic of the offense where you don't feel like this is unreachable. This is too far of a distance. This is unattainable, basically. And I cannot wait to see him play 60 minutes. The Tua version of Alabama is a super team. It is a college football super team. They have that type of potential. I, I firmly believe that if they're gonna if they're gonna be beat, it's gonna be them doing it to themselves. Talent wise, with Tua under center, it is it, it's not close. I mean, he is that We're kind over. of game changer. The, the tough times are going to come, but yeah, I think the, the upside is unbelievable. So yeah. one of the things that I did learn after the game did not learn that Tua was an unbelievable quarterback. We already knew that. Our pronunciations. We have been saying two names. Okay, more so me. I think more so me. Two names that I got pronunciation confirmations on. It's Jalen Waddle. It's not Waddell, which is stunning to me because I heard it announced in the press game PA the entire game and was like, why are they saying Waddle? Who's Waddle? I thought it was Waddell, and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not I mean, context clues would have shown you that was, it was, that's who they were talking about. I mean, yeah, but like, here's the thing, Connor. I'm putting that on you, man. That's on me. Uncle Chris does the gambling. It's, you do the ins and outs, the grunt work, trying to figure out all the smart things. I don't, you said a word earlier. What was it, insatiable? Probably not, but it was something that had about the same amount of letters I couldn't figure out. Probably. You're right. And the other pronunciation that I got straight from, from the source, it's Ross Pierce Baker. It's not Pierce Bacher. He wanted the world to know that because it was he, he actually said that to me right after I asked him about the, the Jalen Waddle pronunciation. So we have those two pronunciations down. It's but, Henry Rowan Gardner. It's Rosenberg. That's what it is. God knows it. Let's get back to some quarterback discussion because there were a lot of other quarterbacks around the SEC who had big-time games, but with a little bit of an asterisk because they came against FCS teams. Justin Fields, Keaton Thompson, Felipe Franks, Jake Bentley, Kellen Mott, Ty Story, all these guys who had big-time games and had people really turning heads. Justin Fields did so in relief and in a little bit of a different way, and Keaton Thompson is still the backup in Starkville, but... Look at those that group of quarterbacks. Based on what you saw in week one. Oh, by the way, SEC quarterbacks, 38 touchdown passes and two interceptions week one. That's an amazing Dominant. Month. And you know who had two of them? You know who had both of them, Connor? I'm gonna I'm trying to calm down here for a second. Do you know who it was? It was Please. Uncle Terry Wilson. And I told you he had too many wine coolers at the at the weekend barbecue we had the day before at, at the cul-de-sac. And he comes out here and throws two interceptions. 
I love your Terry Wilson narrative. That's just so far Looks, off base that you just yeah, have to keep so going bad. with it. It's so bad. I did not realize. Um, anyway, regardless. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't realize he had dreadlocks. Regardless. Um, which quarterback yeah, performance? Quarterback. Which, which one of those are, are you buying the most as it's not just an FCS mirage and this is actually legit? I believe that one of those those six quarterbacks in that group right there that I just listed is legit and is going to make a big time next a big time step up this year. Out of these six, out of these six. Well, it's not Keaton Thompson who had seven touchdowns, which I don't feel like was talked about enough because I didn't know he had seven until this morning. Um, he only went thirteen of thirty-one, which is not impressive to me. Felipe Franks, I thought he took a, a big next step, so he would be up there for me. Justin Fields did Justin Fields things, I think. Seven of eight, that was the most impressive part. But for me, it's Jake Bentley. And the reason why is I, mean, I think that I think he had improvements he needed to make, and, and he obviously has room for improvement to get better. You know, he his first touchdown pass on Saturday was his 30th overall in, in, at, for his career, which seems Man, low if you've been a starter for two low. straight years. That does and seem so, low. I mean, hell, Jalen could do that. <laughs> Um, no, but like Felipe Franks, him getting his accuracy up and being and having the five touchdowns, I thought that was that was really impressive because that's somewhere he definitely needed to improve. The reason I would say Bentley over him is the potential upside with the rest of the offense because South Carolina has so many weapons on that offense that I think they'll be able to utilize them more. So he will be able to not only benefit from that in like with him obviously being improved, but also yeah, you don't have to always be as accurate. We made a big deal this offseason about the Brian McClendon offense, and we saw on Saturday it is different. It is a higher tempo, and it was more successful. Definitely that was not a game that you wanted to see South Carolina struggle right. offensively. And to see Debo Samuel back connecting with Jake Bentley was an awesome sight for college football fans. That catch he made in the corner of the end zone was so stupid. Oh gosh, I mean, and, and to see him, and they looked I, – I know who they were playing, and, and they were – they were. that's a four-win FCS team from a year ago. But, like – Still, to see Debo just go out there and just like casually third quarter comes around, he's just making a one-handed catch. Just, I was like, jeez, man. Debo like gets back when I played college baseball, dude. Remember when I played college baseball, bro? <laughs> that one listener. So please listening. Uh, Debo against the Georgia defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think of those of those six quarterbacks, the, the one I feel most confident that that he's taking the next step on, and, and it's it's kind of tough because I know somebody like Ty Story, we've never had a chance to see him take a step in general, so it's. It's yeah. tough to say whether or not this is the next step. But the one who I'm really buying, I liked what I saw from Kellen Mond. Oh I was God, super impressed with what he did on Thursday night because, yes, it's an FCS defense. I understand Northwestern State, the proud school okay, of Mr. Yeah, Ed Orgeron, by the way. That's, I was going to say, we need, to, we need to send a sincere apology to everyone. We are not, sorry. Not just our listeners, but everyone in the world that we yes. did a disservice to. What did we, we knew nothing about Ed Orger, or about Northwestern State. I made up the fact that what was it? One of their people invented the, the, the Gogurt. Oh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Sure. Either way. But yeah, Ed Orgeron, offensive lineman. So Kellen Mond torching Ed Orgeron's alma mater is that much more impressive. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> I, I did think, though, that, yes, the defense he's going to see in the next three weeks, two of maybe the two best defenses in the country with Clemson coming up and Alabama. He's... I understand that. We're going to see how legit he is. But I just thought from... From a schematic standpoint, the, the spots that, that Jimbo Fisher put him in was so much better. From Connor, he threw for 184 yards. Yeah, but he barely play, he played. A, he played a half basically. He came out in like the first possession of the of the second half. All of yeah, that stuff that he was doing. I just here's here's the reason I didn't pick them or pick him in this is that, and I thought he did look good. I thought he did, but the running game, 
the oh, running the tra- game they had yeah. with Travion Williams, and he, he had went 240 off. yards. And like, I, I get that. What what reason why I don't like Jake Bentley can go out there and win you a game. He's going to have to with because that's the strength of their offense is is their passing game and their receiving core versus where Kellen Mond he has the running game to depend on. He's not going to have the running game like he did against Bama and Clemson. He's not going to have the same running game he had this past weekend. So he's going to have to try and go out there and win those games. That, that's true. But I think the upside with Kellen Mond and why Jimbo Fisher ultimately went with him over Nick Starkle is that he can present a lot of looks. And I think yeah. his numbers would his numbers should have been that much better because he had two deep balls that one of yeah. them, I think, was a pass interference and one of them was dropped or something like that. And they were on-the-money passes where you're like, dang, this, this kid's legit. And I, I became more of a believer based on what I've been hearing about him in the offseason. A belie- a believer, a believer, just like okay. Nick Starkle. So I'm just making sure. Uh, yeah, had to slip that. I'm just proud of you for watching this game and said since I know that Indiana, I'm sorry, Purdue and Northwestern were on. I was doing a little by flipping, but you know I saw what I needed to see from Kellen Mond, and then you know when, when the game's good. on the back burner, flip flip over. But I, I think that what he can do in Jimbo Fisher's offense, there is a ton of potential there, and I do think that he is someone who has made some big-time off-season strides and looked like a yeah. much different quarterback than he was in 2017. So he's the one that I would put the most stock in him continuing, at least having more, at least not having that opening game being a flash in the pan. I think he's obviously yeah. going to have a tough time, Alabama Clemson, but I think he, like Jake Mentley, like what you said with him, I think he could win that team a game or two at least just with his ability, even right. if they don't get the other things going on offense. Shout-out to Aggie fans, by the way, Kyle Field. I've, I've like long, long been up. I don't want to say hater, but I've made fun of. I mean, there's just it's weird to be arm in arm with your bros swaying back and forth a lot, wearing class um, rings and wearing class rings. <laughs> it's a Corvette on your finger. Um, anyway, no, but like that Kyle Field looks awesome. Oh, it awesome! Does. I mean, wow, what a facility, huh? What and, a facility! <laughs> and even for the for the start of the the Jimbo Fisher era, that was a big time showing from that crowd back on on Thursday night. But let's let's talk about the the bigger picture with the SEC quarterback situation here. Do you think we're going to see better quarterback play just across the board in the SEC? Was that kind of the, the takeaway when you see a line like that, 38 touchdown passes to two interceptions? Or is it too soon to yes. think that quarterback no. play can be improved? No, it's. I, I think it's – I mean, you're going to – not. they're not always going to go 38 to 2 and have a 19 to 1 ratio, it's good quick fractions, um, for like, you know, for the quarterbacks from touchdown to interception ratio. But you got to think about – I mean, I think we're going to see that from people like Drew Locke. He's going to have those kind of numbers. But, I mean, we haven't even seen Nick Fitzgerald. Joe Burrow had, I think, I'm going to say a down game. I know that's weird to say because we haven't seen him, you know, have like a, a, a bigger game. But, yeah, I mean, like, I think I think the quarterback play is, is very strong. When you talk about Kevin Keaton Thompson scores seven touchdowns, and he is the backup to one of the most prolific rushing quarterbacks in the history of the SEC, that's big. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I filled out my SEC quarterback rankings that run every – uh, about every two weeks on Monday nights. I think every two or three weeks. I don't know if we've decided what we're doing with that. Hopefully we'll, not we'll, a lot since you had Jalen ranked number one the whole season last year. So <laughs> Yeah, so any validity I had is therefore <laughs> gone. But what I will say is that it was really difficult to rank quarterbacks because you have six or seven who look like legit top three or four quarterbacks. And I'm sitting yeah. there putting Drew Locke at number four. Like, right. goodness gracious. So I think that SEC quarterback play is going to improve. I think that week one was a good reflection of that, how much it improves, and, and will we be talking about SEC quarterbacks competing for Heisman trophies? I, I, I don't want to go there necessarily right. just yet. But, yeah, I think across the board that's something that we could expect, especially with the – the addition of some of the offensive minds into the conference with you know guys like Jimbo Fisher, Joe Moorhead, Chad Morris, all these offensive-minded guys coming into the conference. So 
Let's talk about a team that I think from an offensive standpoint, we knew what we were going to get. This, this is my, my unranked SEC team that I'm having second thoughts about. For me, for me it's Ole Miss. And I, I say that because I think we talked a lot about how Ole Miss has a ceiling as long as he doesn't play defense, right? I mean, that's... Right, I mean, yeah. Th- they don't really believe in that, of, of course. I mean, I told you how I failed. Um, for me personally, for me myself personally, individualistically, I told you how I felt. I thought they were going to be the surprise team of the West. And I'm, I'm buying it a little bit more from the, the standpoint, not necessarily that they're going to compete for a division title, but that they're going to compete a lot better with the teams that, at the top of the division just because... That was a Texas Tech offense that we expected to do some big-time things. The over-under for that game with, between us was at least in the 80s. I don't yeah. care what Vegas said. We thought that was going to yeah. be a game where both teams were you know, getting 40 to 50 points easily. They maybe got was, halfway there to the Vegas line of over the over-under at 68. They got halfway there in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, it was, and a lot of that, of course, was Ole Miss is doing with our boy yeah. Jordan Ta'amu. Ta'amu. JT. Um, but the Ole Miss defense, to me, was the more noteworthy thing because – I thought the Ole Miss defense looked better than I was giving it credit for. Holding a team to 4.2 yards per carry does not sound like a very good stat, but it's considering not. how bad Ole Miss was last year defending the run, Ole Miss was like a group of five slash FCS team against the run last year. They were that bad. And I think yeah. Texas Tech wasn't able to do much even when they were you know, into throwing mode and they were trying to move the ball downfield. Ole Miss defense got some key stops. They were held, uh, I mean, they held Texas Tech to less than six passing yards per attempt. So that, that, to me, stood out, and they were a team I mean, that, that I thought maybe, you know what, maybe they're not a six-win team. Maybe they could get to that seven, eight-win mark if they're able to somehow be average on that side of the ball. I mean, here's my thing. Here's my thing, man. Okay, so Ole Miss, last year, you're talking about teams. I've seen better, better – I've seen packs of depends defend the runs better than, uh, than Ole Miss' defense. You got, that's there that's you go. gross. That yeah, that's gross. That's real, real gross. Bad. Real bad. Um, but they still gave up 486 yards of offense. Given what they were going against. <laughs> okay, Given okay, that sure. it was Texas Tech. It's not like we're Let's talking not, about them going against 2017 I'm Florida. On, I'm high on Ole Miss. I'm very high on Ole Miss. I think they're going to – I've said they're going to put up a lot of points against Bama. I think with what Jawan Pass did against Alabama, that is going to obviously be true with, with Jordan Taumu and those receivers. Those receivers are ridiculous. That being said, let's not – celebrate a defense that gave up almost 500 yards. I don't care who they're going up against. I'm celebrating Ole Miss being average on defense, okay? I am <laughs> I am celebrating that because I've You don't I've ever said, celebrate me being average? That's a good point. Maybe my yeah, expectations okay. for you are too high and for Ole yeah, Miss I don't know why, because I do. It's, everyone knows it's the first thing I do is try to set that bar low. But you, set it, way too high. you set it way too high with your, with your gambling, oh so... Now you're going to have all these people going to you, assuming that your picks are just locks, and we know that's not the case because water finds its level. Water finds its level. I don't know what that means, but sure. Also, cream always rises to the top. It's my ditty used to always say. Uh, No, so I would say, yeah, 17-2 and on the season. Are we getting into this this next part? No, real quick, your unranked SEC team that you're having second thoughts about. Do you have one that, that comes to mind? Kentucky. Kentucky. Why are you having not, second? And not in a good way. Not in a good way. Uh, like a like a four like a three four win way. Yeah, I mean, like I thought they would play. I thought they would be able to play Florida close. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the case anymore. I'll, how about this? I'll say South Carolina. Um, now you know what? Let's not get on Kentucky. I'll say. I'll Vandy. say South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I'm real high on Vandy. I'll say South Carolina because they already had the over under win total from Vegas being by, like one of the most favorable in the entire country with its seven wins I, they could get get up to like nine because they seem like they're yeah, they're a lot would, stronger than i gave them credit for 
I would agree with that. Let's let's talk about um, how about real quick before we get to you know what let's let's do the, let's do some gambling. Let's uh let's let's talk about that because um, actually you know what I'm gonna second guess. I'm gonna second guess. <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a minute. I wanted to, we we have to talk about these some of these overreactions because they were really good. And one of them yeah. one of them was this notion that um, that Jim Harbaugh was is on the hot seat. That's something that people have been saying for ever basically since they went down the toilet last year. That was one of the more popular overreactions of the weekend, given the fact that his offense did not look good at Notre Dame. I went on record saying I thought Michigan was going to have an easy time in South Bend, and that did not prove to be the case. But same, putting Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat, if you know the administration, and this is why I hate hot seat talk, because it assumes that you know exactly what the athletic director is thinking, right. and it's the athletic director who has to make the decision. Wardy Manuel loves Jim Harbaugh like a son. The, well, the too, notion that he's going to fire him is absolutely ridiculous yeah. after four seasons. There's no chance that unless they go 1-11 or Jim Harbaugh has some off-the-field stuff that happens, this is not a situation in which he's on the well, hot seat I mean, just because he, they lose to Notre Dame. They haven't even gotten into that schedule yet where they start playing the directional schools in Michigan. Eastern, Central, Western. I don't yeah, know Western Southern. Week. Yeah. I mean, that ain't no joke, man. You could, you could map out that whole state on the palm of your hand, literally. I love Kid Rock. Anyway, um, <laughs> Michigan's the worst. Uh, no, so you you shouldn't be doing hot seat talk ever because you're one of the most logical and rational people I've ever met, and hot seat talk is not about that. It's not. It's not. I mean, because like everything you said is factual and 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 smart and reasonable and correct. Most of all, it's correct. He's not in the hot seat. He's and not that, at all. Exactly, and it's not to say that that Jim Harbaugh is. You know, I'm not going to go out. Skip Bayless and say that he's better than he's he's a better coach than Nick Saban or something like that. But yeah, we're uh, we're not saying you don't have to think that Jim Harbaugh is the world's greatest coach. To think that he's not on the hot seat. I mean, he's he he's says not, a lot of dumb stuff he shouldn't say. But you don't want to go back to the Brady Hoke. You don't want press conference with Brady Hoke again. I think we did a, we had our best play out there. We did as, as good as we could have done. Speaking of Brady Hoke, I bet there were a lot of Texas fans who were texting each other in all caps. This weekend after <laughs> that showing, see how I tied that in. That was, that was, was good. good. Texas uh, was Tom this Herman. Avoid this whole topic. <laughs> big big time overreaction across college football. Tom Herman is a fraud, and he is never going to build Texas into a winner. I'm I'm a, a bit of a believer in that the Tom Herman hype kind of got out of control, and he might have gotten eh, a little bit too much credit for Ohio State's 2014 national championship. And people tend to forget that he actually couldn't even win his own division playing in the American Athletic Conference at Houston, but. Let's let's take a chill pill because we overrated Texas coming into the year as we do every single year. Yeah, they lost on the road at Maryland against a Maryland team that was obviously playing with some passion. Neutral given what they've been game. through. Technically, but let's be honest, it was it was at the, it was. They at didn't the go to College Park. That's true. That's true. You I don't mean, come they, out of College Park unscathed. Not in Georgia, you don't. I'll tell you that much. The College <laughs> Park in Georgia, you do not come out unscathed. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, it was it was shocking to me. I think. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if this is an overreaction because how do you lose this game? This is this is game number one on your schedule. You had the entire offseason to prepare for it. And this is, like I said last week about Vandy and Kentucky, like for a team that's like on the fringe of like, all right, we need to get bowl eligible. And for Texas, it's not bowl eligible, but it's get off to the right start. You can't afford to lose this game. And everything there is magnified with that kind of fan base. They're, how much money are they about to sink into that stadium? A gajillion dollars. They're going to invent a new number to figure out how much money they're spending. On they that got stadium. like dragons shooting fire out of their mouths and stuff in the end zone. It looks ridiculous. It is it is ab- absolutely incredible. But like 
you have to just not do what you did. You can't not go to Maryland after their head coach is on the chopping block because of fat shaming his all of his players and lose to Maryland. Yeah, Maryland, a defensive-minded head coach, <sighs> DJ Durkin is, and that defense still looked like it was plenty ready to defend Tom Herman's you got, offense. You got which beat had, by Matt Canada. Oh, Matt Canada Couldn't is... Couldn't stop a jet sweep. Matt Canada is just sitting there enjoying life right now. I know that he's... He's not necessarily in the most ideal spot as an interim guy because I think that it's kind of a tough thing for interim coaches, but that's a different topic for a different time. But yeah. the belief that Tom Herman is a fraud was floating all across college football. Right. And given what he was in the news for as being part of Zach Smith's strip club visit, yeah, probably not the best thing, right. best time, not the best time for him to lose a game. But I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. We'll, we'll move on from your playoff uh, Texas pick and talk about South Carolina being ready to beat Georgia because of what South Carolina did against Coastal Carolina. I'm, I'm still not buying that. I know Gamecock fans are not going to be happy with me because I think Georgia is on a different level, but I saw that take floating around too that, oh man, South Carolina with this offense, Georgia's, Georgia's in, in, in rough shape because when they come to Williams-Brice, it's going to be Jake Bentley lighting them up. I, I don't buy that notion yet. I, ugh. first off, shout out to South Carolina fans for enduring the thousand degree heat for a noon kickoff in Columbia, South Carolina. You're the real MVPs. Yeah, you, they really are the real MVPs. Beautiful Columbia, South Carolina. It's the hottest place on earth. But yeah, I, I, let's pump the brakes on that. I think it'll be, this is always a, a really good rivalry, a fun game to watch. Georgia is very, very good. Georgia is very, very good. And just don't poke the bear. Just be quiet and go in and play the game. Don't do what Louisville did. <sighs> So. Yeah, we're going to have plenty more conversation on that game, the big headliner game in the SEC this weekend. We're going to talk a lot more about that uh, later in the week on Thursday. Let's talk about some week two lines. We got some uh, some early lines from our friends at MyBookie. We do. So uh, shout out to our friends at MyBookie.com. I'm having a great time. With yeah, them. you are. I'm, I'm having a great time. I, I, as I've told you several weeks, you know, it's not just who you're betting on, as I learned from betting on Michigan. Even though they they are three and thirteen in their last sixteen trips, now three and fourteen in their last seventeen trips to South Bend, not my best move. I learned that from our buddies at mybookie.com because it's not who you're betting on; it's also who you're betting with, guys. Uh, if you're like me, you love gambling. I went on there. I put in a. I'm not gonna tell you how much of the initial deposit was. Cause I'm not proud of it. Um, but I used that promo code with SDS promo code SDS, and I got a hundred percent of my initial deposit matched. So now I am balling out like Tom Herman at a spearmint rhino. Just going to throw that out there. Yikes. Anyway, uh, Tom Herman, you are invited to my bachelor party. Just, just a heads up. <laughs> Get that out of the way now. But, yeah, make sure you head over to mybookie.com. It's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. Um, you play, you win, you get paid, y'all. And they've already got the week two lines out. We still have one more game for week one. Way Love ahead it. of the schedule. Love it. Let's so, look at some of those week two lines. We've got uh, Mississippi State. At Kansas State, I'm a bit surprised to see that Mississippi State is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I have said yeah. all offseason, as high as I am on Mississippi State, I actually think the Bulldogs are going to lose this game. And that's a little little sneak peek ahead. I'm going to throw out just an early pick. I would definitely pick Kansas State to, to, to cover that. I know Kansas so, State had a rough week one showing, but still. Here's the one thing. Here, not the one thing. Here's just another thing I love about my bookie. And this, if you notice this, a lot of the lines I've thrown out this weekend with Uncle Chris's Gambling, who, again, is 17 and 2 and sick currently in the middle of a 15 and 2 week. That is a sick brag. That was pretty, I mean, legit. Yeah. 17 and 2. Um, so, anyway, you can buy up to three points on each game line. 
Like last night, I was a little bit nervous about LSU covering three and a half because I'm scared like an idiot. I bought it up to four and a half. Okay, you can buy for three points. So if, if you're not comfortable with with Kansas State or with uh, Mississippi State covering eight and a half, you can buy it down to five and a half if you want. Some of the other games we got Vandy. They are a ten point favorite against Nevada, which Nevada was actually pretty impressive this past week. They put up seventy one points um, in their game uh, against Portland State. UGA ten point favorite against South Carolina. And Bama, 37-point favorite against Arkansas State. Both those games have already gone up a half point after the first hour when they were posted. So it's kind of interesting there. Clemson, 12-and-a-half-point favorite. That is the game College Game Day is going to be going to at College Station, 7 o'clock kickoff. Prediction, that line comes down. Comes down a couple points, I think. I think a lot of people are going to I think a lot of people are gonna try and try and get those points for, for a home. I hope so. I, I, I really, I, and I'm not saying, that's not my way of saying I think that, that A&M is going to lose by a touchdown or something like that, but I think that action is going gonna, is gonna to sway back to back towards the Aggies. God, I hope so, because I'm going to jump all over the other way. <laughs> um, Missouri is the 17.5 point favorite against the Josh Allenless Wyoming, whatever they are, Cowboys? Cowboys, yeah, yeah. Cowboys. Um, Florida, so this one's interesting. These last two are really interesting for me. Actually, those first, Arkansas, 13 point favorite. On the road against Colorado State. Oh, Colorado State's been bad. Real bad. Real bad. Real bad. So that, that'll be an interesting game to watch. Uh, and then also, Florida and Kentucky. See if this streak can get broken finally after, like, what, 34 years? Uh, 30, um, this, this is, it's been 31. The Chauncey Gardner-Johnson guaranteed 32 uh, that that's going to happen. Uh, went on a radio show. I can't remember yeah. which radio show he went on. but uh, Or maybe he just said it to the media. I'm not sure. It but doesn't he, matter either yeah. way. <laughs> either he said way. 32. Florida, 14.5-point favorite. And you think about how close that game was last year. 14.5-point favorite. So those are the week two lines. I'm excited for them. So there's that. We'll have our picks on Thursday. We'll go through all those lines again just to refresh, just in case people are are forgetting them. But, yeah, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we keep a, a running total of our, of our picks, I think. So. All right. Well, it's Monday, Connor. You know what that means. It's family feud time. Let's do it. All right. So we got a special announcement to our, our listeners, and I, I debated on whether or not to say this to you guys. Um, I've been sitting on this for about five months now. So, I, at least, yeah. Yeah. In March, uh, I won a game show. I was on a show. It's on True TV. It's called Paid Off. It's like Jeopardy. I know we talk about how, how dumb I am and all that kind of stuff as a joke. Uh, your boy won a game show. Um, comes out tomorrow. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet. But, uh, tomorrow being Tuesday. Yeah, yeah probably in Tuesday. So 10 o'clock at night, um, go check it out. I was on this game show where it's, like I said, Jeopardy, but they pay off your student loans. And I'm going to just go ahead and throw out the this right now. I've lost weight since the show, guys. I've lost weight. All right? This picture, <laughs> I got a still frame picture from the show. It does not look good. Uh, my friends have all started using Andre the Giant references uh, with me on the podium. <laughs> I'm just, it's its the pleats on the pants and the shirt does not do me any favors. It's bad. I mean, it's real bad. So definitely do not, under any circumstances, take a screenshot of that and send it to at the SDS pod. Definitely like, don't do that. We don't we, yeah. we don't want to deal with that. Just kidding. Please do that. That would be it's, great. It's on True TV at 10 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow night. It's called Paid Off. That being said. True TV is the, is the channel that you um, search for when you're watching the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. now you have another reason to watch it for the first time since March. So that's yeah, kind of my funny. fat ass being on there. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, if guys, away, I've lost like 20 pounds since then. Okay, it's a lot, a lot of extra Sick weight brag. for the camera. Um, all right. So that that being said, Family Feud this week is going to be 
themed around game shows and student loans. Did you have student loans? Oh, yeah. Still paying them off. Yeah, same here. We'll see. Anyway. Um, Okay. That being said, we're going to put 20 seconds on the clock. Go way over that. I've got eight questions for the incorrectly named uh, theme of the show, Family Feud. Are you ready? Born ready. I don't know why you say that, but here we go. First question. What's the best game show on TV? The show that you were just on that I don't know the name to. Thanks. I just said it. I've also told you about it before. It's also wrong. It's Price is Right. Uh, what's the best game show host? Uh, it's Alex Trebek. Not close. Okay. It's really anyone but Drew Carey. But yeah, we'll take that. One for two. Uh, best Celebrity Jeopardy character? I'm going to go with uh, Alec Baldwin. Nah. Nah. It's Bart Reynolds. Yeah, Big Bart hat. Reynolds it's funny good. stuff. Uh, best saying from a game show? Uh, I don't know. Best saying? What? Uh, here's Daily Anna. Double. No, Daily no, Double. No, it's The Price is Wrong. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, favorite game show female? It's Vanna Simple. White. Come yeah, on. There you go. Awesome. Uh, what's the best thing you ever spent with your loan money? With my loan money? Ooh. Uh, student loan money. I'm going to say eating way too much Papa John's at the Student Union. Okay, I said spring break 2008, so you are incorrect. Worst thing you ever spent your student loan money on? I feel like this is not going to, you're not going to get this one. I'm going to go with school. Patron. Also a good answer, though. Um, Best advice you've ever gotten from college? Last question. Um, Beer before liquor? Liquor before beer. Liquor before beer. uh, Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. So, yeah, there you go. We went there. We We did. We went there. That's I just couldn't a quote even, from a League of Their Own, guys. I couldn't even get my, my advice out right, so that just shows you how great of advice it was. Good I'm proud person. of you, though. I'm proud of you. You got, um, we're going to say 68. Ugh. 68. You know what? 67. It, the effort wasn't there, I'll be honest. All right, well, I don't I've like your an, attitude about Florida, either. <laughs> I've got an entire season to get to 69 points, so hopefully I will do just that. Let us wrap things up. Got a couple quick, it might mean too muches. Yeah, that's plural for it might mean too much. Keep sending those. Make sure you're tweeting those. Hashtag it might mean too much. I saw the UCF law firm that paid to have the 13-0 co-national champions banner uh, riding high above the Camping World Stadium in Orlando just because if you get an opportunity to troll Alabama fans, you're going to do it. And and everybody knew that that was coming. You could see it from everywhere, pretty much around the stadium. That was cool. But perhaps even better was the Alabama fan holding up the sign that said, we want you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's no, That was that was funny all the way around. The UCF, the UCF troll was, was great. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk, uh, speaking of Bama, a little memory that, of course, SEC fans are very much aware of. The Brent Musburger uh, 2011, whatever, yeah, what was it, 2012 National Championship game with A.J. McCarron. Yeah, we, Catherine Webb, we all know about that. So, Brent Musburger tweeted this morning, Welcome A.J. McCarron to the Raider family. Musburger is the Raiders announcer, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He said, can't also wait. also in Vegas where he lives. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Very nice. Uh, then he also tweeted, can't wait for the beautiful Mrs. McCarron to join us in Oakland. Keep shooting your shot, Brent. Yeah, they're real, man. You said that. It gave me, it gave me a chill. I love that. Shoot your shot, Brent. What what a legend that that is some all time swag. I don't have that kind of confidence, but he does. You do, and you don't need you don't. That's the thing, Connor. You don't even know it, man. I mean, last week we were talking about you eating eating ribs with at your hands concert. at a Beyonce concert. That takes a lot of confidence and swag, man. That's a good point. If I would have had that's that kind of confidence point. on stage, I would have been a successful comedian a long time ago. But here we are, just talking here we are. to each other about. <laughs> 
not getting a clap in college. <laughs> Let's close things out by reading some some five star reviews. We are so so appreciative of those. You guys had had some more good ones. You go first because I'm crying over here. So this one uh, this one came from M underscore underscore K West. Subject: Great coverage. This is I listen to keep up with my dogs and impress my husband. Yeah, that's what you should do. That's like that. that's awesome. I like I love that. Be able to sound smart in front of your significant other. I do that all the time, and I don't sound smart, but appreciate the effort. I love that a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna go with this one um, from Polowski Four. Ooh, this is a long one. Yeah, well, they in, but they're from the same area. It says from Athens with love and Gwinnett County. Bulldog born, bulldog bred, and when I did, the Reaper will probably be wearing that dang old crimson tide red. Okay. I'm a second-generation dog currently working and attending school in Athens after growing up not far from Marlar, down in Gwinnett County. I got plugged into y'all some time in May, and I've been hooked ever since. Top-notch podcasting across the board. You fellas definitely got the facts, the stats, the quotes, the jokes. Man, that rhymes. This is that legit. Does. That's really And the hot takes, and you put on a thoroughly enjoyable show every upload. Keep up the good work, and if you ever want to experience the greatest college town in America with a true Athenian, y'all come on down. Perfect game show reference there. Go dogs, Ben from Athens. Thank you, Ben. How did I not remember? Come on down. I am an idiot. I just blanked on yeah. all of those. Come on down. That's all right. Uh, we're going to end with this one from LA underscore Baw? B-A-W underscore 40. It's, yeah, it's Kid Rock. Baw with the Baw. Oh, so, yeah. that's right. All right. I should have known that. You got to get caught up on your Kid Rock references, dude. My bad. Subject line, Devin White for president. Best podcast out there. The Coach O impressions are golden. No BS, just good old football talk. Thank you. Lawball voted. We appreciate that. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I think after Devin White's performance on Sunday night, the subject line should probably be like, Devin White for dictator or something like for, that. He was incredible. He really, really was. If you are not, follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at C Marler SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Get your gambling advice from Uncle Chris on Facebook Live every Saturday morning. Make sure you're also watching his Facebook Live every tonight. Monday night. Yeah, tonight. Anoche, as they say. And that's nice. Pretty, that was pretty good. Um, keep giving us those five-star views. Definitely make sure you're watching Marler on that game show on True TV on Tuesday night. All the screenshots. Paid off. And thank you. I hate you so much for this. Hey, we got we got Luke Del Rio coming up on yeah. Thursday. Former Gator quarterback. Uh, Going to have a fun conversation with him. We're tentatively scheduled to have that uh, on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Tell, tell your friends about us, guys. Tell your friends. We're yeah. kind of cool, right? Maybe? I don't know. Anyways. Not after that game show, I'll tell you that much. Not after that, no. Definitely not. But uh, we'll have more football to talk about. Week two coming up. Week two preview. Look forward to that. So, until then, remember the one most important thing, which is... It might mean too much. Woo! That was good. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in a few days.